Our session starts at 10.45, is that correct? Yes? Okay, then we are officially late. We did all right the last time being late, didn't we? Now what I'm going to do here uh, to begin with is those that are new here, how many were not in this session last time? Okay, then I'm just going to briefly share with them, so those of you that were here, you can go ahead and just uh, kick back for a second. I'm going to briefly share with them the secret of studying Scripture. So let's go ahead and we'll have a word of prayer. And then we will study the secret, or we will look at the secret of studying Scripture. Father in heaven, we thank you so much that we have the privilege of being here to study your word. And Jesus, we ask that you will fill us with your spirit so that we can understand it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, for those of you that were not here, there is a secret to study in Scripture that Jesus gives to us in Luke, the 24th chapter. You remember in Luke 24, Jesus appears and begins walking with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And so as Jesus is walking there, He is talking to the disciples about why they are sad and why they are discouraged, and they tell Him it is because they don't know where Jesus is anymore. Well, Jesus, turn with me to Luke 24. Those of you that were here earlier, repetition deepens impression. So go to Luke 24, and we'll begin reading in verse... Luke 24, begin reading in verse 27. These disciples are discouraged because they don't know where Jesus is. They know that Jesus has been killed. They know that some people say that He appeared to them that morning, but they're just distraught and confused. Verse 27, Jesus is talking to these two disciples. He says, and the Bible says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, He expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. So Jesus starts with who? Moses. And then he walks them through all the scriptures and he talks about what? He talks about himself. So Jesus goes from the books of Moses and he starts pulling out references for the first coming of the Messiah. And what's going to happen to the Messiah? And how the Messiah is going to be killed all the way through the Old Testament. He's giving them a topical Bible study on his life. And so that's what we have here. The secret to studying the Bible is to study the Bible in topics. Now what happens when we study the Bible in topics? Go to verse 32. Verse 32 in Luke 24. And they said, these are the two disciples, they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while He talked with us by the way and while He opened to us the Scriptures? Have you ever read through the Bible and you're wondering to yourself, I can't get anything out of this. Help me, help me. I started in Genesis and I got to Numbers and got bogged down. Help me understand this. Jesus said that if we want our understanding to be opened, that we will study the Bible just like He did. Now, can we improve on the method of Christ? We cannot. And so if we want to understand Scripture the way Jesus understood it, we will study the Bible in topics. Jesus did the same thing in the upper room with 11 disciples there in Luke 24. Look at verse 44. And He said unto them, this is verse 44 of Luke 24, These are the words which I spake unto you whilst I was with you, 
yet with you that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So here, when he's in the upper room with the eleven, Jesus uses the books of Moses, he uses the Psalms, and he uses the prophets, and he pulls out of those writings references that talk about him. So Jesus gives us the precedence for studying Scripture in topics. The reaction to those 11, look at verse 45. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the Scriptures. Jesus' method for studying the Bible was to study the Bible in topics. And when that topic was studied, going all through Scripture, when that topic was studied, then the truth was opened to his followers. Now, you and I want God to speak to us, don't we? We want God to communicate to us his will from this book. And the way that God does that is to study the Bible, for us to study the Bible in topics. Then we have a, thus saith the Lord. Now, somebody asked me on the break there, they said, you know, what happens if you're studying the Bible with someone, or they come to an evangelistic series, and then they don't follow through with the commitments that they've been making? And uh, we have a sheet that we teach during our very first week called, during the cycle of evangelism called How to Overcome Excuses with Scripture. And so each one of our students gets that, and they tape that in the front of their Bible. Now, I told you last class, this is my newest Bible that my wife gave to me. My old Bible actually has the, uh, the outline of the tape where I taped that in my Bible. And when somebody would give me an excuse, I would simply say, well, you know, let me come over and sit next to you. And I would sit next to that person, and I would open up my Bible, and I would say, you know, I have here a list of excuses with references that help us overcome those excuses. So why don't you and I just look at these excuses... And then we'll find God speaking to us. And so that's what we do when we are overcoming excuses with Scripture. How many of you would be interested in getting that? Okay, all of that is going to be available for those of you that come to the Lay Institute for Evangelism. No, we'll put that on the website as well. So what we did during the first part of this Bible study, just to bring the rest of you up to speed, is we started our Bible study. Does anybody remember? 2 Timothy chapter... 3 verses 15 through 17 and we focused on verse 16 where it says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So the first thing we discovered is that this book was given to us by God. The second thing we discovered was found in what reference? 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 19 through 21. And verse 19 says that Help me out here. Just went blank. Verse 19 says, We have a more sure word of prophecy. And we discovered that it was more sure than a what in verse 16? Than an eyewitness. Prophecy is more accurate than an eyewitness. Now Jesus gave us in our next reference the reason for prophecy. John 14, 29. What was the reason he gave us for prophecy? So that we could what? What is your name? Bonnie? Bonnie got it right. So that we may believe. Jesus says, I tell you things before they take place, so that when they do take place, you may believe. 
And then we went to Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10, where the Bible told us what separates the God of the Bible from all other gods. And what was that? Because the God of the Bible can tell the end from the beginning. Now, it's, it's, it's a no-brainer that if you're living right here, you could look back and say, oh yeah, Babylon was uh, followed up by such and such a country, which was followed up by such and such a country. But it's a completely different story to be over here, in some cases more than 2,000 years before something was to take place, and to get it right. And that's what makes the God of the Bible the, the only true God, because He can tell the end from the very beginning. Then we went to Daniel chapter 2. We found out that Daniel is uh, taken captive. How many of you are unfamiliar with the book of Daniel? Okay, so you know what happens with Daniel. Daniel gives Nebuchadnezzar the interpretation of his, or the, the dream itself. And here we are now focusing on the interpretation of the dream. In our first class, for those of you that have just joined us, we have a system for marking our Bibles. We are in the sixth reference of our Word of God Bible study. Our code for marking this is, of course, the letter W. And we're in our sixth reference, so when we're marking this in our Bibles, the reference that we are in is Daniel 2, 31 to 35. That's represented by the six in the circle. The line represents that text right there. Daniel 2, 26 through 30 represents what, for those of you that were here earlier? That represents the reference that we just came from and this tells us where we are going to go to. Now, you see, if we go there next, then you'll know that I'm a prophet, right? Because I told you before. It can... No, that's just a joke. All right, so here we are, Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 35. I think we already read that, didn't we? Daniel 2, 31 to 35. We did. Nebuchadnezzar must have been on the very edge of his royal throne because here's Daniel, a Hebrew slave, telling Nebuchadnezzar what he dreamed the night before last. Right? And so here it is. We will go to our next reference, our seventh reference in this Word of God Bible study. Well, you'll see there on the screen, the head was made of what? Talk loud so I can hear you. Gold. The chest and arms were made of silver. The belly and thighs are made of bronze. The legs are made of iron. The feet and toes are made of... And then there was this stone that was cut out without hands. So that's what Nebuchadnezzar saw in his dream. But Nebuchadnezzar had told Daniel and all the other wise men, you tell me what I dreamed and what it means or I'm going to cut you into pieces and turn your houses into a place where donkeys go to the restroom. So Daniel's not safe yet, is he? Daniel must give the interpretation to Nebuchadnezzar. And we talked just a moment ago in our last class, what is it that gave Nebuchadnezzar the confidence that the interpretation from Daniel was going to be true? Because he told him his dream. He told him his dream. No other wise men could do that. So Nebuchadnezzar's faith is now in Daniel and Daniel's God. So let's read the interpretation of that dream. Now as we read through it, we'll just go to our next slide here. Our next reference is 7W. That means we're in the seventh text of this Word of God Bible study. You mark it, you put the 7W in a circle, you draw the line. We just came from Daniel 2, 31 to 35. Our next reference would be Daniel 1, verse 1. Remember, 
When you are giving a Bible study, you want a thus saith the Lord for everything that you share. How many of you have ever shared with somebody that Adam and Eve wore a garment of light? Have you ever shared that with someone? Hmm? How many of you knew that? That Adam and Eve... Can you prove that to me from Scripture? I can prove it to you from Scripture. All you've got to do is know the right references. You want to know what those references are? You keep coming to this class. I'll make sure I share it with you, okay? That's an old evangelist trick right there. Let's start in verse 36. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 36. The Bible says here, This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Now you remember, Nebuchadnezzar has just had this total deja vu moment because Daniel has shared with him what he dreamed the night before. Daniel chapter 2 verse 37. Thou, O king, art a king of kings. For the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory. Who does Daniel give the credit to? Even though Nebuchadnezzar is a king of kings, who does he give the credit to? The God of heaven. You and I would do well to do the same. Verse 38, And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heavens, hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them all. Thou art this head of gold. Now, when you study the Bible the way Jesus studied the Bible, you have to think. So right now we are going to think. Are you ready to think? Nebuchadnezzar is the king of what country? Give me a Bible book, chapter, and verse. Because you have to have a thus saith the Lord for everything you share with somebody from this book. Well, if you're paying attention, what's our next reference? Uh, Chris? Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. You're absolutely right. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. The Bible says here, in Daniel chapter 1 and verse 1, the Word of God says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Jerusalem, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon unto Jerusalem and besieged it. So Nebuchadnezzar is the king of what country according to the Bible? Babylon, that's absolutely right. So in Daniel chapter 2, when Daniel says to Nebuchadnezzar, you are this head of gold, who did Nebuchadnezzar represent? Babylon. If the, let me just break this down a little further. If Queen Elizabeth came to the United States of America, what country would she be representing? The what? The United Kingdom or England, right? So Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, represents what country? Babylon. And now you say, well, you're, you're taking it a stretch right there. Now you're in your own private interpretation because it went from being a, a uh, a Nebuchadnezzar thing being the head of gold to now it's Babylon being the head of gold. So you're saying to me, you can't do that because that's not what Scripture says. Look at the next. Well, wait a minute. I think I have another slide up here, don't I? That tells us. Yes, the head of gold is Babylon. 605 to 539 B.C. was the Neo-Babylonian rule or when Nebuchadnezzar began to rule and then to the end of the Babylonian kingdom. So you're saying to me, well, how do you know that that actually, actually represents a kingdom rather than just Nebuchadnezzar? Because of what it says in verse 39. Let's go to verse 39. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 
39. So that's our next reference, right? Daniel chapter 2, verse 39. Notice I have 39a up there. That's because we're going to focus on the first half of verse 39. You're going to focus on the first half of verse 39. Then we're going to go get a thus saith the Lord to tell us who the next kingdom was. Because we must have a thus saith the Lord for everything we share from Scripture. So here we are, Daniel chapter 2, verse 39. The Bible says, And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee. So after Nebuchadnezzar shall arise another what? Another kingdom. If there is another kingdom, there must have been a first kingdom. And what was that first kingdom? Babylon. And who represented Babylon? Nebuchadnezzar, because he was the king of Babylon. You and I have a thus saith the Lord that Babylon is represented by that head of gold. Daniel says, you are this head of gold. Then he says in verse 39a, After thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours. Well, what kingdom was that? Let's just look on our screen here. What's our next reference? Daniel 5. Remember, the reference we're going to is on the bottom. The reference we just came from is on the top. Now, the reason we told you in our first class, the reason that we're writing where we came from and where we are going to is because sometimes you will shut your Bible in your excitement of studying the secret with somebody like Jesus studied Scripture. In the excitement of doing that, you will shut your Bible and then you will say, Oh, my badness. I, I don't know where I am. But remember, we told you in the first class period that you write all of those references in the front or the back of your Bible so that if you get to an oh my badness moment, you can just go back to the back of your Bible or the front of your Bible and find that reference and then hop right to it. So here we are, Daniel chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse 1. Daniel chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says here in Daniel chapter 5 verse 1, Belshazzar the king made a great feast. Who was Belshazzar the king? What kingdom was he the king of? Prove it to me. Let's just keep reading. Listen, if somebody, when you're giving a Bible study, people will try to stump you all the time. My friends, God has given to the Seventh-day Adventist church truth. Don't let Satan and his error try to distract you from the pure Word of God. You know the truth because you have studied it from the time you were little or maybe you're just brand new to the Adventist message. But God has given to this church the truth that is contained in Scripture. So don't let people get you bamboozled or befuddled or bewildered. You just stick with what you know to be the truth. So here we are, Daniel chapter 5, verse 1. Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Verse 2. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father, what's the name there? Nebuchadnezzar. So is this the same kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar was the king of? It certainly is. So now here again, you and I have a thus saith the Lord that Belshazzar was the king of Babylon. 
continuing on here, which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem. Verse 2, continuing on. That the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives, and his concubines drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of silver and gold, gold and silver and brass and iron of wood and stone. Does all of that sound familiar? Except for the wood part, it all sounds very familiar. Continuing on, verse 5. Have you ever heard the expression, well, that's just the handwriting on the wall? My friends, even atheists have heard that, that saying, oh, that's just the handwriting on the wall. But do you know where that came from? Right here. Listen to what happens next here. Verse 5. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. So you just imagine Belshazzar is profaning the God of heaven by taking the holy vessels that Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem by putting... um, perverted wine in there and drinking it and praising the gods of gold, silver, brass, wood, and iron, praising those gods. So he's blaspheming the God of heaven and so a hand comes out from nowhere and writes on the wall. Well, now let's do a little bit of jumping because remember, what are we trying to find here? What are we trying to find? What's the reason we're in Daniel chapter 5? We're trying to find out what kingdom came after Babylon, right? And we want a thus saith the Lord. Well, I shouldn't have done that yet, but you know it anyway. I'm just teaching you the secret that Jesus gave us us of studying Scripture, right? Let's go to verse... What verse were we supposed to go to there? You wrote it down. I can back up. Let's go to verse 25. By the way... Belshazzar calls in the wise men to tell him what the saying that was written on the plaster in the wall meant. And guess what? They couldn't tell him. So who do they call in? Daniel. And then Daniel gives them the interpretation because God gives it to Daniel of what is written. Verse 25. And this is the writing that was written. Mini, mini, tikal euphorson. This is the interpretation of the thing, mini. God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Verse 27, Tekel. Thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the what? The Medes and the Persians. So here again we have a thus saith the Lord, the kingdom that comes after Babylon, the kingdom that Nebuchadnezzar was the king of, that Belshazzar was the king of, now goes into the hands of the Medo-Persian Empire. So Daniel 2.39a, Then after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours. That kingdom that arises after Babylon is the Medo-Persian Empire. Now, Daniel was alive during the Babylonian kingdom, and Daniel was alive during the Medo-Persian kingdom. So it's no big deal for Daniel to be able to tell what came after Babylon. It's no big deal. But Daniel was not alive during the next kingdom. You remember, who alone from the beginning can tell us the end? God. 
That is what separates the God of Scripture from any other God because from the beginning He can declare unto us the end of what is going to happen. And you remember, in our first class, the two reasons for this dream were to tell us what was going to take place at the... What? End of time. And what was going to take place from the dream up until the end of time. We found that in verses 26 through 30. You remember that? You remember that out, Chris? Yes, okay, very nice. Now let's go back to Daniel chapter 2. We're going to go to our 11th reference. We're going to Daniel chapter 2 after we show you that the chest and arms of silver were the Medo-Persian Empire that ruled from 539 to 331. Now something happens in 331 that is very amazing. Remind me to tell you about that in just a moment. Daniel chapter 2, verse 39b. Daniel chapter 2, verse 39b. And the Bible says here, Daniel chapter 2, verse 39b, And another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. What number kingdom is this? The third. What time do you have? 11.38? Oh, whew. I was thinking, boy, i got to talk fast. All right. So we have another third kingdom of brass. So how do we know that there was that Nebuchadnezzar was represented a kingdom? Because after him followed a second kingdom, and now here we have a third kingdom that bears rule over all of the earth. Now you and I want to thus saith the Lord, don't we? You and I want to know what was that third kingdom because Daniel was alive during the Neo-Babylonian Empire. Daniel was alive during part of the Medo-Persian Empire, but Daniel dies before it ever gets to the third kingdom represented by the metal of brass. Well, let's go to the Bible to find our answer. We're going to go to Daniel chapter 8, verse 21. 20 and 21. And before we go there, I'm going to give you just a little illustration here. Just a little illustration. In Daniel chapter 8, you have a vision. Daniel has a vision. And in this vision, Daniel sees a ram with two horns. What does he see? A ram with two horns. One of these horns is higher than the other one. Also in that vision, Daniel sees a goat with one horn. What does he see? A goat with one horn. Well, this one-horned goat does this to the two-horned ram. And then the two-horned ram dies. So you've got the picture here. Two-horned ram, one-horned goat. The, the uh, ram dies, and then there's the goat. What does that have to do with finding out what the third kingdom is? Let's go to Daniel 8, verse 20. Daniel chapter 8 and verse 20. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 8, verse 20, The ram which thou sawest, having the two horns, are the kings of what? Media and Persia. So who, rep who was represented by the two-horned goat or the ram? Media and Persia. All right, verse 21. Here is our thus saith the Lord. Daniel could not have known this unless the God of heaven had told him before it came to pass. Because when Daniel's writing this, this hadn't come to pass yet. Verse 21. And the rough goat is the king of Greece. And the great horn that is between his eyes is the first king. 
So the kingdom that destroys the Medo-Persian Empire is what kingdom? What is it? Greece. Do you have a thus saith the Lord for it? You certainly do. So what we have done is we're allowing Scripture to interpret itself. You remember our second reference in 2 Peter was that Scripture is of no private interpretation. You and I do not want to put our own interpretation on Scripture. Let's go now to Daniel chapter 2 and verse 40. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 40. And we'll just simply click over here to our 13th reference after we show you that the brass represented the uh, Grecian Empire. But remember, I told you I was going to tell you something very interesting. You want to hear this very interesting fact? The Medo-Persian Empire had 20 soldiers to every one soldier for the Grecian Empire. So you figure, here's, here's the Medo-Persians. We have 20 soldiers over here. And over here on the Grecian side, we have one soldier. Who's going to win? The 20 or the 1? Who's going to win? The 20 is going to win unless God says otherwise. And He did, didn't He? 331, Greece conquers the Medo-Persian Empire in a battle called the Battle of Arbella, where the Medo-Persians were outnumbered, or the, the Medo-Persians outnumbered the Grecians 20 to 1. Now check this out. Guess what metal the Medo-Persian Empire collected their taxes in? Silver. Guess what the armor of the Grecian army was made of? Brass or bronze. You're absolutely right. How could Daniel have known that the Grecian Empire would conquer the Medo-Persian Empire when Daniel wasn't alive during that time. How could he have known? God told him. My friends, you and I are starting to get evidence enough to base our faith on. You remember, that was the purpose of this study, wasn't it? To find evidence to base our faith on. Let's go to our next reference. That's Daniel chapter 2 and verse 40. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 40. You're probably already there. Daniel chapter 2 verse 40. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as what? Iron. For as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. Now I'm going to give you a little teaching moment right here. You ready for a teaching moment? What's your name? Brandon. Hey, I have a boy named Brandon. You spell it O-N or E-N? Hey, he spells it O-N. All right, Brandon. Got it. Right here in Daniel chapter 2, verse 40, we have this fourth kingdom made of what metal? Made of iron. And Brandon, there was something significant I was going to tell you a minute ago, but I just forgot what it was. Jesus was born while this fourth kingdom ruled the world. This fourth kingdom ruled the world from 
168 BC, all the way through to 476 AD. What kingdom was in control of this world? I want a Bible book, chapter and verse, to tell me what kingdom ruled the world when Jesus was born. Oh, Luke chapter 2, verse 1. You're absolutely right. Let's just go there. We're going to find out what this fourth kingdom was. The next kingdom rules between 168 B.C. and 476 A.D. Jesus was crucified in the spring of 31 A.D. Jesus was born before 1 A.D., by the way. What earthly kingdom was in control when Jesus was crucified or when Jesus was born? So here we are in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says here, Luke chapter 2 and verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Now, the only way that you can demand that all the world be taxed is if you are doing what? Ruling the world. And who is it that demands that all the world be taxed? Caesar Augustus. Now, Caesar Augustus was what type of a ruler? The Caesars. Who did the Caesars rule for? Rome. That's absolutely right. Jesus was born and crucified during the rule of this fourth kingdom. From 168 B.C. to 476 A.D. Rome was in control of the world. Rome demanded that the world be taxed. The Roman centurion is the one that looked at Jesus on the cross and said, this man, truly this man was the Son of God. My friends, you and I have a biblical text in Luke 2.1 to tell us what kingdom was ruling the world when Jesus was born. That is the fourth kingdom from Daniel chapter 2. So we'll just put that right up here. On the screen, we had the head of gold, which is Babylon, chest and arms of silver, which is Medo-Persia, belly and thighs of bronze, which is Greece, the legs of iron, which is Rome, and now we're going to get into the feet and the toes, partly of iron and partly of clay. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 2. You probably put your finger there. How many of you put your finger in Daniel 2? Good on you. Good on you. Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 41. The Bible says here in Daniel 2:41, And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be what? Divided. Now, my friends, Babylon, over here, Babylon was conquered by Medo-Persia. Medo-Persia conquered, or was conquered by Greece. Greece was conquered by Rome, but the Bible says that Rome would be what? What does it say there? In verse 41, the kingdom shall be divided. Now, if you jump back up to the very beginning of verse 41, again, we're, we're putting our thinking caps on here. Whereas thou sowest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron. What in that verse was not in the first, the, the, uh, dream that Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar he has. 
What was not in there that he just added? What? Oh, you're like, what? I don't know. All right, go back to verse 33. Go back to verse 33. And somebody give me the time, just shout it out. Verse 33. His legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. What was part of iron and part of clay there? His feet. Now go to Daniel 2, verse 41. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes. What is the significance of adding the toes in the interpretation of that dream? It was going to show us how many kingdoms that, the, that Rome was going to be divided into. And if you look at there, it says in verse 42, the kingdom shall be, 41 rather, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. Verse 42, and as the feet and toes of, the, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. Do you want to know what those ten kingdoms were? Okay, then you're going to have to keep coming to the seminar. Actually, that, we don't do that one in this seminar, but it is on the Life on the Edge video set in the back there. And whereas thou sawest, verse 43, iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. So here we are. We've got the feet and toes of iron and clay. We just read Daniel 2, 41 to 45. My friends, Rome was divided. Now, if you and I all took, let's all take our shoes off and just count and see how many toes we have on our feet. We'll add them all up and we will divide those by the number of people that are in this room. Or we can just guess and say that the average number of toes on someone's feet is 10. How would Daniel know that the fourth kingdom that followed the third kingdom that was Greece would be Rome? And then that Rome would not be conquered, but would be divided. What's the only way that Daniel could know that? If the God of heaven had told him. Again, you and I, those of you that were here the very first class period, we learned of the man that had a top hat that went to the racetrack. There's a uh, gentleman down there in the betting area that tells him to put all his money on horse three. Horse three wins. He goes, picks up his winnings, goes back down to place another bet. The same man's down there, says, put your money on horse number seven. Number seven comes in and wins. He goes down there the third time, and it, the same man is down there, and he says, put your money on horse 12. What do you think that man's going to do? He's going to put his money on horse 12. And horse 12 is going to come in. The next time he goes back down there, that man will even base his entire life on the word of that man that tells him what horse to bet on. God has told us that Babylon will be followed by Medo-Persia, and it was. God has told us that Medo-Persia would be followed by Greece, and it was. God has told us that Greece would be followed by Rome, and it was. God told us that Rome would not be conquered, but that Rome would be divided, and guess what? It was, and it is. Now, what time do we have? 11.26, thank you. So let's go back now to... <clears throat> Daniel chapter 2, verse 41 to 45. I guess I didn't read all the way through there. Let's start in verse 44. 
Something very extraordinary happens during the time of divided Rome. Now, my friends, you and I are all the way down. Let me just back up one slide here. You and I are all the way down to 476 A.D., and then Rome is divided from 476 A.D. to the present, to the time that you and I are alive. Rome is divided. So the next thing that happens in this Daniel chapter 2, and my friends, when you study this with people in their homes, they just get all giddy and they get excited. Some people will start crying. Some people will say, oh, I never knew that. I never saw that. And you will actually see Jesus' secret of studying the Bible begin to work on people's hearts. And there is no greater joy in this world than watching someone begin to believe in Jesus. I told you that we studied with this lady named Elizabeth. Elizabeth was a drug dealer in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I wish I could tell you that she completely changed her entire life, but she didn't even know who Jesus was. But she accepted Jesus into her heart, and I have to believe that in His time, Jesus is going to bring her out of the mess that He found her in because she was introduced to the God that can tell the end from the beginning. And so here we have in Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. And in the days of these kings, what kings is that talking about? Can it be talking about in the days of the king Nebuchadnezzar? Can it? No, because Nebuchadnezzar is off the scene. Can it be talking about the king of the media of Media and Persia? It cannot be because they've already passed off the scene. Can it be talking about the king of Greece? Work with me here. Can it be talking about the king? It can't be. That's right, Brandon. Can it be talking about the king of Rome? It can't be because Rome has passed off the scene. It is divided. The Bible is telling us that in the days of divided Rome, something is going to happen. So what you and I did is we just said, okay, this is what the Lord has already said to us. So we're just going to walk right through it and ask ourselves, is it this king? Nope. 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 Is it this king? Yes, it's in the days of these kings. What happens? In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. My friends, it is in the days of divided Rome. Do you know that you live during the time of divided Rome? Is Rome reunited yet? No, the Bible said they never would be. You have all these kings and rulers in history that tried to unite it. Now the European Union is trying to unite it, but they won't be able to. Just like the Grecians who had one soldier for every 20 of the Medo-Persian Empire, they couldn't overcome the, Medo the Medo-Persian Empire, couldn't overcome them because God said it wasn't going to happen. And so here we have God setting up His kingdom during the time that you and I are alive. Now, how could Daniel have known that except the God of heaven had told him? Because the God of heaven is the only one that can declare the end from the very beginning. Now, you and I have walked through this Bible study just using the Word of God to interpret itself. We've done a topical study on the Word of God that would give us enough evidence to base our faith in the God of the Bible on. But we're not finished. Let's go to our next reference here, which will be Matthew 21, 21, verse 
44. Matthew 21, verse 44. Matthew 21, verse 44. That stone represented God's kingdom. And listen to this. The Bible says in Matthew 21, 44, Jesus is speaking. Jesus says, And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be what? Broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. You remember that stone that comes out, that was cut out of a mountain without hands and hits that image on its feet? And you know, when, you're, when you give Bible studies to people, you've got to look those people in the eye. Have you noticed that I've been looking you in the eyes? Maybe you can't even see my eyes because there's a glare, but I've been looking at you in the eyes. Can you, have you noticed that, Chris? You've got to look people in the eyes because you are standing right there as the voice piece for God in that person's house. The voice piece for God in that person's garage. The voice piece for God when you're on break at work. And you can give Daniel 2 in 15 minutes if you try really hard on that break time. And whomsoever, whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. That stone that is cut out without hands out of that mountain that crushes that image on its feet is the second coming of Jesus. And Jesus is that stone. If we fall on Jesus, we will be broken. Our old, hard, natural self will fall away. And Jesus will give us that new heart. But if we remain hard and rebellious against God and His Word, it will grind us to powder. And we'll be blown away just like the chaff from the summer threshing floor. So my friend, and this is the appeal, you always give an appeal during your Bible study, at the end of your Bible study. If you can do small appeals throughout the Bible study, even better. Because you want to clear and set people. You clear them on a point, and then you keep going. Just like I told you, I want the Bible chapter, book, chapter, and verse that tells me that Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. We went to Daniel chapter 1, verse 1, and you said to yourselves, oh yes, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. You were clear on that, and then we went to our next point. Did you notice how we did that? All through this study, you do the same thing when you're studying the Bible with other people. Because if somebody is not clear on something, that means they are confused. And a confused person is not a convicted person. And a person that is not convicted is somebody that is not going to give in to the truth of the Word of God. So you have to make sure that what you're sharing with people is clear. What's my time? 11.35. You have to make sure that what you're presenting to people is clear. You look them in the eyes to make sure that they're getting it. I've been trying to, to make eye contact with you guys through the glare of the, the lights here to see if anybody had a question mark on their face. Now, some people have question marks. Some people have confusion marks. Some people have conviction marks. And so you, as that Bible teacher, that Bible instructor, it's your job to determine whether what you just said was clear or not. And the best way to do this, I mean, this is, it's difficult, but all you have to do is say, was that clear? And they'll tell you whether it was clear or not. They're honest enough to have a Bible study with you, so they'll be honest enough to say, you know, that, that wasn't very clear. Help me out on that. You have to make sure they're not confused, but that they're clear on it. We have one more reference in our Bible study here. And 
Well, we just went there. Let's go now to our 17th reference, which is found in Ezekiel. Ezekiel 21. How do you find Ezekiel? Does anybody know? It's right before Daniel. That's absolutely right. And we've been in Daniel this whole time, so just go back to the book of Daniel and then turn to the left and you will find Ezekiel. Now, you know, you know what an easy way is to find the book of Malachi? You ever had trouble finding the book of Malachi? You will never have trouble after this moment again in your entire life. You find the book of Matthew, which nobody has trouble finding, and you back up one. There you are. Okay, we are in Ezekiel 21. Ezekiel 21, verses 26 and 27. Ezekiel 21, verses 26 and 27. Thus saith the Lord God, Remove the diadem and take off the crown. This shall not be the same. Exalt him that is low and abase him that is high. Then he says, I will overturn from Babylon to Medo-Persia, overturn from Medo-Persia to Greece, overturn from Greece to Rome, and it shall be no more until he come whose right it is, and I will give it to him. So you understand that there is no one world ruler right now because Jesus will be the next world ruler of this planet called Earth. And that will happen in the time frame when you and I are alive. I was giving a Bible study to a lady and she said to me, you know, I've heard Daniel chapter 2 all of my life, but I never understood it until you took me from one verse to another verse and showed me what it meant. When you let God's Word interpret itself, people will get excited just like those two disciples on the road to Emmaus. People will just, they'll be jumping out of their skin with excitement because they have heard the voice of God speak to them. Now my friend, is it your desire to place your bet on the Word of God. Okay, maybe it's the first time you've heard it. So what I'm doing now is I'm giving you the appeal that I would give to someone at the end of this Bible study. Maybe this is the first time you've heard it. If that's the case, are you willing to study this book more to see what else the God of the Bible has to say? And they will say, yeah, I'll agree to that. Then you could say, have you seen today that God gives us evidence enough to base our faith in Him on? Well, sure, I, I guess I can see that. So as we continue to study God's Word, when God asks us to do something, what are you going to do with it? What I try to do during this Bible study, this very first Bible study that I give people, what I try to do is get those people to agree, yes, this is God's Word, this book can be trusted, and I'm willing to put my faith in what it says. As long as you have that basis, wherever you, whenever you study the Bible with that person, you can always refer back to that decision that they made to make this book the basis of their faith. And remember, remind them that as long as we let this book interpret itself, we're not getting our own interpretation, but we are getting what God wants us to know.
And that's what makes a topical Bible study so very, very powerful. We are not going to, yeah, we will. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, our very last reference here. What's my time? 2 Peter chapter 1. Five minutes. Praise the Lord. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. That person has made that decision to make the Bible their sta- the standard for their life. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we base our faith on the Word of God, God will make sure that we are get into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is that where you want to end up? Is in the everlasting kingdom of Jesus that He's going to set up in the near future? I mean, don't you believe Jesus is coming soon? Our next study is on the topic of the signs of the times. Pastor Sizemore is going to do that study for us. And again, we're just doing the study in the Bible the same way Jesus would. And that will, turn, that will open our understanding to Scripture and it will light our hearts on fire. Now, does anybody want to know very quickly how to show that Adam and Eve had a garment of light on? Do you want to see that real quick? Well, yeah, because you always hear that, don't you? Oh, Adam and Eve lost their garment of light. Let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I don't have slides for this one, so. Genesis chapter 3. Very quickly here. What's my time? Three minutes. Oh, good. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. The Bible says in Genesis 3, verse 7, again, we're just showing how we know Adam and Eve had a garment of light. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So Adam and Eve were not naked, and then all of a sudden Adam and Eve sinned, and now they what? Now they are naked, and so then they have to put on something to cover up their nakedness. And what do they put on? They put on fig leaves. Did God consider them to be clothed when they had fig leaves on? Go to verse 20. uh, 19, 18, 17, 16. 21. Verse 21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. So Adam and Eve, check this out, Adam and Eve made themselves underwear and God comes along and puts clothes on them. That's what happened. God says, you're not clothed because God is not into redundancy. So Adam and Eve evidently were clothed with something prior to sin. Then they tried to cover up their nakedness with fig leaves. God says, you're still naked. So he puts clothes on them. What was it that they lost when they sinned? Go to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. The Bible says, And God said, Let us make man in our image. So who is man going to be made in the image of? 
the image of God, after our likeness. So man was to be a reflection, was to be created in the likeness of whom? Of God. Go to Psalm 104. This is the kicker right here. Psalm 104. Psalm 104, verse 2. Psalm 104, verse 2. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God. Then Adam and Eve were all of a sudden naked. They put on fig leaves. God gives them coats of skin. What were they clothed with prior to that? They remember they were made in the image of God. Psalm 104, verse 2 says, well, let's start in verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Who coverest thyself with light as a garment. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, and God is clothed with what? Light. What did they lose when they sinned? The garment of light. Powerful, isn't it? My friends, we must have a thus saith the Lord for everything we share with people. If the testimony of Jesus says something, it's not new. It's in here. We just haven't studied it enough to know where it's at. Isn't that powerful? Adam and Eve were clothed with the garment of light, and you've taken notes, and you can prove this from the Word of God. Is that a confusion mark or question mark? Conviction mark. Conviction? Hallelujah. All right. Has this been a good study? My friends, everything must come from the Bible, and that's what Life on the Edge is designed to do. And Pastor Sizemore this afternoon is going to do Signs of the Times and Spirit of Prophecy. I've heard both of them. They're very incredible, and you don't want to miss it. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for the privilege you've given to us to learn what we have learned today. We ask that you will be with us as we go to the plenary session, and that you will speak to our hearts. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.